Living a life of intention starts within. Dora and I are excited to help you find the path to co-mindfulness living through our co-mindfulness masterclass. Our seven co-mindfulness principles will take you on a remarkable path towards health and happiness. For more information and to sign up for the masterclass, visit comindfulnessproject.com. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Laura and I are really excited about today's health gig. We have Seth Goldman and Julie Farkas with us today. So you've probably heard of Seth and Julie because Seth is the founder of Honest Tea that I think we all know about. But now today... They have started something that Dora and I are so excited about, and it is called Eat the Change. It's a platform to inform and empower consumers to make dietary choices consistent with their concerns around climate change. They support national and community-based organizations who work to raise awareness about climate-friendly diets, but they do a whole lot more. And wait till you hear about the products that they're going to be bringing to market. So let's get to Seth and Julie. Seth, Julie, welcome to the show. We're so glad to finally do it with you guys. So we wanted to get started by just asking you a little bit about yourselves. Well, we met in Longview, Texas, which is an unusual place for two people from the East Coast to meet. We were both doing advance work for the Dukakis-Benson 88 campaign, so we're dating ourselves here. And we were lucky enough to be doing advance work for Lloyd Benson in Texas. And we were both sent to Longview, Texas to work on an event. And it was my first event. And I was told when I arrived at the hotel to look for Seth Goldman. And so that's what I did. And it was an interesting time because Longview back then was a pretty black and white place. And we were two people with curly, dark hair. (laughs) A lot of the people we met thought that we were sister and brother or husband and wife. They weren't sure which. And so we thought they had the right idea. So we took their lead. And here we are many years later. So Texas will always have a special place in our heart in Longview specifically. A lot of romances begin on campaigns, I've noticed. (laughs) Right. You get people who believe in something enough to want to go work for it. And so, yeah, I think it does lend itself well to that. We had so much fun researching both of you and both of your backgrounds. And Julie, a lot of your work, you worked with the homeless. Well, I actually grew up in Alexandria, Virginia, so just right across the river from where we live now. And I had a unique experience, I think. I went to schools in Alexandria that were naturally integrated before busing in Virginia, of all places. And I went through K through 12 through the public schools in Alexandria. And I graduated from T.C. Williams High School, which a lot of people know from the movie Remember the Titans. And I had an unusual upbringing in that I grew up pretty middle class, but grew up going to schools that were predominantly African-American. And I saw my privilege from very early on, really from kindergarten on. And so it's always really been my mission or one of my missions, kind of my main mission, I guess, is to do what I can to level the playing field, to create opportunities for others that I was lucky enough to be born into. And so I actually worked for the first seven years of my career with a group called the Enterprise Foundation that did housing and had a mission to create decent, affordable housing for all Americans within a generation. They're still working on it many years later. That was back in the 80s. And I helped them launch a jobs program. And then after doing that for seven years, I really wanted to launch my own. And that's what I did. And I wanted to do it in the communities where I had grown up. 
And so I went around to a bunch of homeless shelters and shopped the idea. And I said, hey, if you hire me, I'll raise money and do this program and help people find jobs. And it ended up being an incredible thing for me to do personally. It ended up also being something that was so beneficial because back when I was doing this in 1990 or so, there really was something they called a hot and a cot for homeless people, a hot meal and a cot to sleep on. So the idea of helping homeless people find jobs and move out of the shelter was something actually new at that point. So I was really grateful to have found a great organization to do that. And my next step after that was actually working at a health foundation in Washington, D.C. called the Consumer Health Foundation. And what we looked at is how do you create access to better health for people, both healthcare, but going beyond the model of I'm sick and I need to go to the doctor to how do you create health in communities? And so much of people's health does have to do with where they live, whether it's asthma, hypertension, diabetes. You can look at zip code and life expectancy. And so I, for 12 years, worked at this amazing foundation where we really connected equity and health. And then most recently, I'm working at an organization called Urban Alliance, which also works to level the playing field, creates opportunities for low-income first-generation-to-college kids to have paid professional internships in their senior year of high school. And that can just change the trajectory of their entire lives. So yeah, that's been the main focus of my career, but health and wellness is certainly something that's also been extremely important in our lives. And looking at how do you bring health and wellness across communities has always been a passion of mine. And I should add that all along the way that I was launching Honest Tea, Julie really was a co-founder of the business. So all of her advice and instincts and guidance around recipes and labels and strategies. That was on its own quite an undertaking. Yeah. So is it hard to work with your spouse? Well, we're still together. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good sign. (laughs) It is a good sign. No, 25 years later, and we definitely have our own areas of work. So we're not working on everything together, you know, 24 hours a day. And so for me, it's been so valuable to have someone I can turn to who I know is always going to give me an unvarnished opinion, you know, whose instincts I trust 100%. Ours is a partnership that is, you know, bigger than the business. And so it's also just wonderful to have that presence and partner. So exciting to be able to do life like this together, you know? It's incredible. And I have to give Julie credit for all the things that I've succeeded in. So as I said, with Honest Tea, she was so helpful. And then she was the one who found out about Beyond Meat. She literally was just reading an article, which happened to be on her birthday, but she was reading an article about this company getting started out on the West Coast that was trying to replicate the taste and texture of meat using only plants. And she said, we need to find a way to help this company succeed. So that's how it started. Tell us about that. That's how we got involved with Beyond Meat. Well, we've been vegetarian since our oldest son, who's now 28, when he was 13. So 15 years ago, we became vegetarian. And we were always happy with that decision from a health perspective, from an ethical perspective. The one area where we kind of felt let down was from a taste perspective. You know, veggie burgers just weren't satisfying. We couldn't enjoy meals the way we used to. And so when this idea came, when we started reading about what Beyond Meat was doing, we said, oh, this could just be a game changer. And so I literally sent an email to info at beyondmeat.com and said, if there's anything I can do, whether it's invest or advice, I'm happy to do it. And that turned into a wonderful new career path for me, but a wonderful new friendship with the founder, Ethan Brown, and of course, helping grow this company, which has just grown so quickly and so powerfully in just the past few years. 
as we said, we love it. We love it. We proudly served it at our wellness experience in Boca Grande, Florida. It was a huge hit. We made sliders. <laughs> I love it. And that's a great way to introduce people to it because people don't know about it. They may not have heard about it. And so that kind of event and that kind of context is just a wonderful way to introduce it to people. Can you tell everybody what is Beyond Meat? Like what's in it? You know, if you ask people of, say, my parents' generation, what is meat? They're going to say protein from an animal. But if you rephrase the question as Beyond Meat has, it says what meat really is, is just an assembly of amino acids that form proteins and lipids that are fats, 70% water and some trace minerals and carbohydrates. There's nothing about that answer that requires you to kill an animal to create meat. And so what Beyond Meat did, particularly Ethan Brown, the founder said, well, look, protein exists all over the plant kingdom. In fact, by definition, all meat is composed of plants. The hamburger you buy in the store is just plants that have been processed by a cow. So the cow is the bioprocessor. But if you leave the cow out of it, you could take some of the same plants. In our case, we start with peas, which are you know, a very rich source of protein, and able to separate out the protein in the peas from the starch. And then you have a very clean form of protein. You can combine it with fats like canola oil and coconut oil. You can add in some beets for color and some other things like potato starch or rice protein for texture. And then you combine them in a form that replicates the taste and texture of meat. You basically created a meat replica without any cholesterol and a lot of the other negatives associated with animal protein. Of course, you've also not killed an animal and you've also used less water, 93% less land. So here we are in an environmental crisis, a climate change crisis, and if we can remove all of those environmental inputs or reduce them so dramatically, now we have a way to create a protein that can feed the world, can do it in a way that's more sustainable, and by the way, can also be delicious. You know, we don't have to sacrifice taste. But even for our family, just selfishly, you know, we basically bought a grill. So it's been a really fun venture to be part of. What about livestock and greenhouse gases? Could you talk a little bit about that? They're such a powerful contributor to the environmental problem. So literally on its own, if you just start with the fact that there's billions of animals on this planet who have been multiplied artificially, right? They're not living in an environmentally normal context. What I mean by that, a forest is a perfectly sustainable system, right? Animals live in the forest, plants live in the forest, and they can all coexist. They're not depleting resources. But when you literally multiply so many in this case, let's talk about the cows. You know, we talk about our environmental footprint. You just have more footprints, literally billions of tons more footprints, and they're all respirating. So just like we breathe oxygen and emit CO2, they're doing that. But then there's a whole issue related to the release of methane through the cow burps and the cow's farts. And so it is dramatically a much higher environmental footprint. So we talk about global population growth as a real threat to our planet's sustainability, but even more so, or on top of that, is the multiplying of animals and livestock and cows in particular that put so much demands on the planet that we literally don't have enough planet to feed this population the way Americans are fed. So it's much harder to constrain population growth. That's a whole different topic we won't get into. But if we are going to try to feed the planet in a way that's sustainable, we have to find other more environmentally efficient forms of protein. We love your Eat the Change platform. Can you talk about that? And as people that love to get behind causes too, it's fun to be able to integrate the cause at the end of our fork. It just feels like we're so empowered, you know, like we're part of it. Can you talk about that and how you guys came up with Eat the Change? 
Eat the Change is such a great name. And just as we became vegetarians, we have three sons, but it's our oldest son who's the child who, one of his first words after shovel, which he called a shubby, he said, why? He liked to ask why a lot. So he became actually vegetarian when he was 10. And we became vegetarians when he was 13. Because he said, if we could be healthy without killing animals, why wouldn't we do that? Right? <laughs> like, wow, okay, yeah, it's hard to answer that question. <laughs> and so just as he asked that question then, that kind of led us to vegetarianism. So just to be clear, did everyone in the family become vegetarians? Yeah, the two brothers became vegetarians before we did. He was like standing on the couch. He was lecturing us all and he's very charismatic. And these were all kids who were like totally athletic, run around, do all sports. Anyway, and so Jonah, our oldest, had been after college, he went to Israel and was working on an organic farm and working for a company that created compostable packaging. And he'd been there for three years. And when we were launching Plant Burger, which we can talk about in a minute, we said, Jonah, we really need you to come back to help us with marketing. It was a big deal for him because he'd been in Israel, he'd become a citizen, but he decided to come back. And he was the person who said, eat the change you wish to see in the world instead of be the change, which is what we always hear, which is attributed to Gandhi. And so he made that like the tagline for Plant Burger. As soon as we heard that eat the change, we were like, that's magic. That's a call to activism. It's a little thing that all of us can do. These are huge problems that are going to take a long time to reverse and a lot of policies and a lot of things that need to happen worldwide. But eat the change is just so simple. Well, and just to build on that a little bit more, I think people hear, oh, climate change is such a terrible issue. And of course, it's great when politicians can talk about it, but we shouldn't wait for the politicians to take action. There's actions people can take three times a day. Every time they eat, they can make more health-oriented choices. And so the more we started to be around that name, and I had finished my time with Honesty at the end of 2019, and I had just transitioned from executive chair of the board of Beyond Me to chair of the board. So I knew I had freed up time to launch something new. And so we started to start to build products and we've come up with some, we'll talk about that later, but I knew that 2020 was not the right year to launch a new brand. So, okay, well, we won't launch a brand in 2020. We won't launch a food brand, but let's still act on what we care about. And so Julie and I said, well, if we want to help people eat the change, it's a movement. We want to give people products that they can eat that represent that commitment to having more earth-friendly foods. But we can also support organizations that are involved in that same cause. And so we made a commitment to donate a million dollars over three years, and this was the first year, to nonprofit organizations, mostly community-based, that are working with communities to help spread the message about planet-friendly food, but also to help empower people around health. This isn't just go vegan. This is find a way to meet all your health needs and do it in a way that's more planter-friendly and get more connected to the earth. So a lot of the organizations we funded had a community gardening component and letting people feel the soil and educating children about where the food comes from. Some of them were involved in democratizing organic or plant-based food in inner city. And so helping people there realize that this can be a form of empowerment as well. I mean, there's a false assumption that planet-friendly foods are more expensive. Of course, they don't have to be at all. So helping people do that as well. Oh, that's such a good point. I think everybody thinks it's more expensive to eat healthy. It's just more expensive. So I think you're right to be able to tell people it's not. 
And to your point, it tastes in a lot of cases better. You just have to educate people. They have to understand how to put a meal together. And so some of these organizations just did such inspiring work and so well committed to that cause. And so that's the nonprofit Eat the Change. And we have a website, eatthechange.org, where we list over 25 different organizations we've supported. And then we are launching a brand called Eat the Change. So our first products, we're working with mushroom-oriented products. And of course, mushrooms really nutrient-rich. They feed on a lot of food waste and compost. So as you know, food waste is a huge environmental issue because you know every time you grow food and process it, if it's thrown out, it's just a waste of all that energy. And so we're working with the mushroom farmers to take all the oversized and undersized mushrooms, which they can't sell, but for our products work perfectly fine, tastes great. And so we're both addressing food waste while creating planet-friendly foods. Oh, that is so awesome. You know, as a health coach, when I work with people, mushrooms is one that we have always trying to integrate and talk to people about, about the medicinal properties. So to be able to have a food that you can just go to, it's so awesome. So wait, I have to ask, what is the crispy chicken fun guy? Mm. (laughs) Yes. So this is where the stories intertwine. So when we were launching Plant Burger, we were using mushrooms, shiitake mushrooms on our burger for a plant-based bacon. Our founder, Spike Mendelson, the chef, had an incredible way to smoke the mushrooms and create this great taste. So we went to the mushroom farm. And as we were visiting the mushroom farm, we saw where the oyster mushrooms were grown. And then they were harvesting the oyster mushrooms. And then they had this big chunky ball that they were cutting off and putting in the compost bin. And we said, well, what's that? And our host said, oh, well, that's the fruiting body of the oyster mushroom. People don't buy it because it doesn't look that attractive. She said, but it, and sort of offhand, she just said, but it makes a great poor man's crab cake. And we said, wait a minute. And so we said, let us take some of those back to the kitchen. And then we blanch them and fry them. And that's what we call our crispy chicken fungi. And it's this amazing sandwich that is a vegan form of a chicken sandwich. It's nutrient dense. It's fleshy and fries up beautifully and is delicious. And address food waste because that was a product that was going to compost. And here we are able to sell this in a sandwich and people love it. So it really sounds like you're going to have a lot of products with Eat the Change. Yeah, exactly. So there's Plant Burger, which is kind of an offshoot of Eat the Change. But then under the Eat the Change brand, we're going to start with these mushroom products, but there's a lot of other ideas we have. And just to give you an example... Because at Honest Tea, one of the most successful innovations we had was Honest Kids, which was a lower-calorie organic fruit drink for kids. And parents loved it because it was so much less calories and it was organic. Kids loved it because it tasted good enough that a kid would accept it. But Honest Kids today is carried in McDonald's and Subway and Chick-fil-A and Wendy's. So, you know, it really scaled. And we're working on some great kids' snacks that are also earth-friendly, nutrient-dense, you know, lower-calorie, lower-fat, but another way to expand the universe of people eating these earth-friendly foods. That's so important. And Julie, with your work, specifically how you focus on the equity among many different communities, can you talk a little bit about that and how you see Eat the Change finding its way everywhere? Well, you know, we definitely looked at that through the grants program this summer. And it's actually interesting in the Health Foundation where I worked for 12 years, our focus was actually on healthy eating and how to be healthy, right? Because the medical model is you're already sick, right? Therefore, you need your diabetes to be treated. You need this or that. And so part of our focus really was providing access to healthy, affordable food 
and also then having communities learn about that food. Because when you haven't had healthy, affordable food in your neighborhood, like you haven't had fresh fruits and vegetables at the corner store, you don't know what to do with them because it's something you've never seen before. And so in some ways doing this Eat the Change Grants program kind of brought me back to those years, you know, and some great lessons learned too. Like when you are funding in a variety of communities, just having the messengers be from those communities, having the work really be organic and bubble up from people in the communities. And so it was really exciting to do that because there is healthier food now in general in a lot of communities, but there's still so much work to be done. And people can apply to those grants on your website? Yep. Eatthechange.org. We usually open up the applications in April, so right around Earth Month. And then we pride ourselves on making the forms very short and clear and simple. They can do it in an hour. And then we turn it around pretty quickly and get the grants out. It's amazing. So tell us about the Whole Foods relationship and what's going on there, because that's incredible. They've been such great partners. So, you know, my first Honest Tea sale was to Whole Foods back in 1998. You know, I had five thermoses and an empty Snapple bottle that I brought in and said, I want to sell this in your stores. But, you know, they took that leap of faith with us. And ever since then, I've always found them to be such great innovation partners. And of course, we work with other chains too, but they are willing to take that risk. And for an entrepreneur, that's such a big opportunity because it can make or break you. And of course, for me, in 1998, I didn't have any other proof points. So the fact that I could say Whole Foods is going to take this product allowed me to raise money from investors, to tell a bottling plant this was a real business and get up and running. And of course, they've grown, but they still sell a lot of honest tea. And they did the same with Beyond Meat. They were the first innovation partner we had at Beyond Meat. And we will be launching the Eat the Change brand with a lot of Whole Foods regions, not all of them at once, but we'll start with several, of course, in the Mid-Atlantic as well. But there are other great chains as well that we're now partnering at What's neat, because Whole Foods has been successful, we've seen other chains really recognize that if they want to be relevant, they have to be proactive. So Giant Food of Maryland has been an incredible partner for the brands I work with, and they're going to be a launch partner for Eat the Change as well. And of course, Mom's Organic Market, which is locally based, and we're very close with the founder there. And yet we have to recognize it's a different landscape now. I mean, people are also buying online, and so we're going to be working with online ordering. It's an interesting experience to launch a new brand 22 years after launching my first brand, and there's no guarantee it's going to work. And so I keep making sure that the team and I you know, stay hungry and lean and aggressive and still entrepreneurial. Dora and I are so excited about everything that you have going. It's incredible. So now tell us about Plant Burger. So that's been really fun. So about four years ago, maybe five now, I was at a panel, George Washington University with Spike Mendelson. He was on the Top Chef and he's a celebrity chef. So like I always do, I brought along a cooler bag of burgers, Beyond Burgers and Honest Tea. And I gave it to Spike afterwards and said, I would love to have you taste these products. And he had already known about Honest Tea, but he hadn't tasted the Beyond Burger before. And he brought it home and he tasted it. And I didn't know that his wife was vegan. And she was always a little miffed that here he is, the chef who's cooking up meat. And so they loved the Beyond Burger. He came back and said, we should launch a restaurant around this. We could call it Plant Burger. I said, boy, that's so exciting. I love that idea. I can't get involved both as an employee of Coca-Cola and as an executive of Beyond Meat. That's not something I can do, but you should talk to Julie. And Julie started to get involved. I said, I love the idea, but also, you know, rather than take on a whole lease and build out, let's go talk to Whole Foods and see if they'd be open to us setting up this restaurant inside of Whole Foods, which they were. And that made it much easier to get it up and running. And so Spike has created this amazing menu with, you know, obviously Beyond Meat, the burger, the crispy chicken fungi. And we now have six plant burger restaurants in the mid-Atlantic region. 
And it's been so wonderful to have a delicious fast food option for us, which we just never had before. And it's also been fun because it is a family undertaking. Julie and I are co-founders along with our son. And then Spike, as I was getting Eat the Change up and running, I realized, look, if I'm going to have this brand that's earth-friendly and has that real mission to it, I've got to make sure it tastes delicious. I can't just put out these products because otherwise people will think, oh my gosh, this brand called Eat the Change is going to be selling me broccoli. It's not (laughs) good. So getting Spike involved as co-founder has been so wonderful. So we talk about our foods as chef-crafted, planet-based. And Spike gets to put his creative fingerprints all over the product. There isn't really anything that I can think of that you're not doing, but is there anything on the horizon that we should be excited about? Well, you know, we love to also mentor other entrepreneurs. So we work with plant-based entrepreneurs all around the country. We just recently made an investment in a brand called Supergirl, which is a local plant-based soup company. And Sarah is a wonderful entrepreneur. We also invested in another DC chain called Shook, which sells an amazing plant-based Middle Eastern food. So we see this as a movement to change the diet towards a healthier place. And of course, there's great nonprofits to support, but there's also wonderful for-profit models that we want to support. And if we can help someone advance their dream, and if we can help advance this cause, even if we don't make money on it, it's still something worth investing in. You guys are so inspirational. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you, guys. Thank you for spreading this message and trying to help people connect what they care about and how they live to their own wellness. You know, wellness is also fullness. It's wholesomeness. And so when you can live and act and eat and interact with the planet in a way that's consistent with your beliefs, it's just that much easier to create a healthier life. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. To learn more on how to live a co-mindfulness life, visit comindfulnessproject.com.